Good evening. I am, so tonight I'm um, just uh, so honored to be here um, with you. And there's something about coming especially, hey Jeremiah. Uh, there's, there's something um, so special about um, being able to talk and come, especially about uh, leadership, uh, because you've been entrusted with something. You've been given something from our Lord. And, and so part of what t t tonight tomorrow is designed really for isn't, isn't to talk about the leadership at uh, King of Kings in particular or your ministry in particular, um, but rather to take some time and just bathe in the scriptures and what they've got for us in this entrustment that's been given. And, um, and I, I'm really, uh, tonight especially, uh, and tomorrow, the, the thing that's been so um, powerful for me in praying for you, in praying for this time, is I, I feel like we're about to touch something that really belongs to the very hearts of God. And so... Um, tonight in particular, if you're tired, if you're wasted, if you're burdened, if you can't wait to multitask while you're sitting in this chapel or sleep, which is also multitasking, <laughs> tonight I'm going to extremely bother you. Uh, and Because and, I'd like you in many ways to participate in tonight, and I'll show you how and show you why. Um, what I'd like to do is start in the scriptures with two particular passages that will be our thrust for tonight and for tomorrow. Um, and, and so I'm going to start in Ephesians 4, uh, and this is where, um, I know you've been in Ephesians on Sunday morning, and I know you're headed into uh, Ephesians 4 in particular in the days to come. But I, I really want to pick up this passage that is very familiar to us, I think, but especially you'll notice the nature of being a leader and how um, our Lord is calling attention to the conversation in verse 11. And he gave the, um, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature man, to a mature manhood. I'm using the ESV here to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, with every part, each part is working properly. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in life. This is a very dynamic text. I mean, it's a very living text. And, uh, and you can see both things happening here, that the, that the elders have a role in the body of Christ, and the body has a role. I mean, the, the functioning of each individual part is part of the story. And it's in light of that that I'd like to turn to the second passage that I want to be looking at, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. This is a passage of Scripture that comes out of Paul's expositing on the spiritual gifts, on the, on the gifts that are given to us 
by the Holy Spirit, which he began to uh, talk about in chapter 12, and uh, began to outline for us, again, the nature of the body of Christ, and how the Holy Spirit, by his own determination, pours out gifts into the body of Christ, each one, each different, but all members of one body, and that we are to, we are to step into those spiritual gifts given by the unction of the Holy Spirit, and, of course, he goes into chapter 13, where it's very foundational that it's all done in love, that, that, that there is a, a, a solid foundation upon which we administer one to another and cannot forget um, the nature and doctrine of love uh, upon which the body works and functions. And it's with that we begin in chapter 14 that he says these words. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Built up. You'll notice um, down, uh, let me take you down to verse 12, where he says, So, with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Again, drop your eyes down to um, verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up, for building up. That's the subject I want to address you tonight and tomorrow. I want to suggest to you that it is one fabulous conversation. And that in talking about it, we're actually talking and touching the very heart of God. Yes, we are. And I want to address it tonight. I want to look at it. I want to begin to look at it tonight. You'll notice that what Paul does is address us in particular um, as we're dealing in the nature of worship. He wants us all to speak in tongues. But he wants us more to actually prophesy. And, and he, he's literally using the word, if you look at verse 5, 14, 5, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. And so what we're seeing here, if, if you wouldn't mind me talking about it this way, we're actually talking about basic one-on-one prophecy. How are we doing? Why do I say it that way? Well, I say it that way because he's talking about all of us. All of us. Now, the reason I say it is that in Ephesians 4, there is an office of prophet. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so there are certain those who are in the office of prophet. Then when you get in 1 Corinthians 12, there are various gifts of the Holy Spirit, of which prophecy is one of others. And so we could discuss those, if you'd like to, and, and, and go on that conversation. But what he's talking about here isn't really the office of prophet or actually the gift of prophecy as it's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. It's a more general sense of it. It's a more basic sense of it. And he wants all of us to have it. All of us be part of it. And so, tonight, I'm going to ask you to prophesy. 
No, no. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and um, I hope that just put the fear of God in you. <laughs> because I would, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. And, and literally, th this is part of um, uh, why I want to, to show you this is common in the body of Christ. It is common to the Christian. And that's why I want to do it, especially among leaders. Because if we don't know how to do it, nobody in the church is going to know how to do it. Yeah? Yeah. So I'm telling you, you already know it. I'm telling you, you already know it because it's already built on this principle. Um, this, is a, this is a gift that comes and rests solely in this work that actually does the work of building up. Building up. So I want you to think of the person around you, near you, and I want you, during this time I'm talking, you can just veg right out. I want you to ask the Lord this question. Lord, how? Might I build this person up? What, what word would you have me say to this person to build them up tonight? I didn't say, think of something nice to say to them. I didn't say, you think of something nice to say to the person next to you. That we can do. And whatever. I'm actually asking for something more than that. I'm asking, I'm asking for, Lord, the person next to me, what word of encouragement, building up, can I actually do with the person you've given next to me? I want to suggest to you, you already know this. How many times, and I believe it belongs to the whole of the body of Christ, how many times you've been driving in the car and the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray for somebody? Has that not happened to you? And what happens? Well, you begin to pray. But can you imagine what it's like to actually... Pick up the phone that day, or write a note like we used to do, or text like we, I guess we now do, but to tell them, I was driving down that road today, and the Lord brought you to mind, and I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Do you know what that does to somebody? It builds them up. Why? And you notice that was done by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, was it not? Now, maybe it was just a natural thing of the mind, and you don't know it. Maybe it just came to mind. Maybe it's not. Well, fine. Test it and see. <laughs> Test it. And hasn't this happened other times when the scripture comes to mind when you're praying for somebody? When, when a word comes, to just a, a word of encouragement comes, have you not been prompted by the Holy Spirit for somebody else? You're in basic 101 prophecy land, ladies and gentlemen. That's for all of us. We're all to be, we're all in our prayers as we pray for others to be moved by the Lord to pray over them for something. And oftentimes, the Lord will give us a word right there. How many times does it happen in spontaneous conversation when you're talking to somebody and suddenly you just simply feel and know the presence of God in that moment and you know the right words to say? You know what to do. Some of you who are not word people, it might just be an action. You know just to reach out and touch. How do you know that? You see, this is the point behind it. The wonderful point about it is that the Lord wants us to actually start working in the, in the knowledge and love of building each other up. This is his heart. This is what he does. And this is how he empowers us by the Spirit. Now, let me say this. Some of you don't have to actually pray for the person around you because the Lord has already given you a word and you've not done anything with it. Something that you wanted to say thank you. That just It was so, you wanted to say thank you and you didn't. Something that you've done wrong and you should have said sorry and you haven't. Moments when you were going to affirm just something in that person and you withheld. 
At moments you just knew to encourage them in their walk with the Lord, and you said nothing. There are times when the Lord gives us, and we don't act. And there may be something already on your heart for the person around you to be able to encourage them. The Lord's already given you, and it's just there. It's welling up inside of you. For others, there may be things that you have swept under the rug and you're not talking about. And you've known that the Lord wants that out under the rug and dealt with. And tonight, most likely, is not the ninth that will be dealt with. But to be able to say, look, I've been avoiding this conversation with you. And I know the Lord wants to speak into this conversation. I know he wants to speak into this conversation, and I've been resisting that. Um, we're, we're, we're beginning to learn to move under the prompting, the administration of God the Holy Spirit in what I would call here this desire for him in us to encourage and to upbuild. Notice how it said, let me just take you, let me just give you, don't even go there, I'm going to give you just a recitation. Listen to how apostolic this message is. In Romans 14, 19, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Romans 15, 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. 2 Corinthians 12, 19, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. Paul says he was given the authority that the Lord has given me for building up authority from the Lord as a leader to build up. Again, reading in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Dear friends, this is something that the Lord's anointed us to do. And leaders who are leaders know how to move in the inspiration, guidance, and direction of the Holy Spirit to be able to move in this conversation. This 101 basic prophecy. Why do I use that word? I use it because he uses it. I'm not trying to impress you with it. I'm trying to tell you that's what he's talking about. What do I mean? Bibles. 1 Corinthians 14.3 gives us everything that we have and need to know here. And I, and I want to really just unpack it for a moment only because it is so wonderful. It's so awesome. Um, and I'll, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Um, when you look at this, um, what you're going to see in verse, in verse 3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their comfort or consolation. Now, I, I say this because what, what always blesses me most about this, 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 um, this, this word, this, this motion, is that, is that in it you can see these three words are the result and the effect of what happens in, prof in basic 101 prophecy. It's meant, to, it's meant to encourage. It's meant to comfort. It's meant to build up. And that second word in particular tells the entire story. It unveils everything we need to know. The second word, encouragement, is the word paraklesis. Who knows what the word paraklesis means in Greek? Counselor, helper. Who is this person? God, the Holy Spirit. He is the encourager. He, his, he's the helper. He's the advocate. He's the one who comes alongside. Jesus said to us that he was leaving God, the Holy Spirit. He was leaving the helper. He was leaving the encourager. That's what he, And he was doing it to empower us as a people. So when he's present, guess what he does? 
And guess what his people do with each other? We've got to learn to encourage. By the prompting of the Holy Spirit, by his working in our midst, learning how to, to, to step into his office and his function. And that's why I want to suggest it shouldn't scare you to say, I get to pray over somebody tonight and to speak words of encouragement. Why? Because that's what we do. That's what we do. How can we teach the church to do this if we don't know how to do this? Oh, this is fun. No, this is fun. This is, this is the intended design. Please understand something. I'm not talking about, about uh, uh, positive thinking. I'm not talking about motivationalism. These are things the world majors in. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the promptings that come from the Holy Spirit as we pray one for another and speak into each other's life words of encouragement. I'm not a prophet. Great, excellent. But this you are. This one you are. This is designed for all of us. All of us. It is non-discriminatory in the body of Christ. So much so that the beautiful part at the end of Ephesians passage I wrote, the Ephesians 4 passage, is the design of the body of Christ is to be fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, so that we, joints, ligaments, how do I supply to you what I've received? I've received blessing to give blessing. I've received encouragement to give encouragement. Every joint working together doesn't work autonomously, but working together. And that's why what this passage does and what this concept does, and what, it, it literally shatters American Christianity. American Christianity is all about individualism. The Bible knows nothing about the consumer American Christianity at all. At all. It knows us being baptized into each other. And whatever parts you are, whatever parts next to you, your design is to bless as you've been blessed. As freely as you've received, you freely give. And so I want to encourage this word. Now, the word in its New Testament structure breaks into two different meanings. Um, I would suggest to you what I just gave to you was the medical. Um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the imagery that Paul uses in the, in the medical language of being in the body of Christ. That we are joints and ligaments, the body being supplied, held together. And every joint is meant to be part of that conversation. And so we are to... We're, the autonomous individual, by myself Christian, um, is, is simply unknown here. I, I've had so many times, I've had people say, you know, I just don't feel like going to church. I'm like, cool, because you don't know what you just said. It's not about you getting out of church what you need. You're there to be a body part to somebody else. Somebody's missing out today because you're not there. I'm not putting guilt on you. I'm just simply saying, I'm simply saying, it's not about me. I belong to the body of Christ. It's not just what I'm going to get. It's I get to be part of something where I'm getting and giving. And somebody might need me to be there today just to give this word of prophecy, a word of encouragement, a word of blessing. Is that not true? Yes. See, the mindset we've got on the nature of the body of Christ is so distorted by our culture, but it's not here. It's not here. We belong together. Members individually joined together into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. All of us to work together. All parts working together for the common good and the upbuilding of our Lord as we edify one another. As we build each other up. 
Now, I want to have this conversation on a second tier, only because the Bible does, and I won't stay here long. But the, the imagery is also used in New Testament, not just of the body image or the medical imagery, but also the construction in imagery. There is the same sense that Paul will use, um, Peter will use, on the living stones being built into a temple. Um, Paul will say, um, you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and, and of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built up to be, and this is Paul's imagery, to be built up into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So he's taking us living stones and putting us together and growing us together. It's a construction imagery. And, and so you've got both of them, this idea of being built up in the faith, built up together in the body of Christ. As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been, having been deeply rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. You see the imagery. You see the imagery is about being built up. I mean, let me, let me push away from this. Um, let me tell you that you and I are gifted for the opposite. What is the opposite of building up? We are good at the tearing down. That's where we do our best work because it's more natural to us. It's hard for me, this political season. It's hard for me. We don't, we don't say, honorable sir, honorable madam, I quite disagree with your policy. Instead, we tear down their character. That is from the pit of hell. Yeah. It's from the pit of hell. We are not allowed to tear down character made in the image of God. Not allowed. We can disagree vehemently. We can raise our voices. We can argue. I'm all for it. But we never dishonor. Never dishonor. And it's everywhere. It doesn't, this is not a political conversation. This is not one side or the other side. I'm not being one or the other or another. Even the way we speak about our president can tear and rip down his character. You might disagree with his policies, but do so honorably. Do you see what I'm saying? What does it teach our children? When they watch the leaders of our country gifted in tearing down. And yet, my friends, that's the nature of, of the fallen world. Why? Well, the prince of this world is called the accuser of the brethren. How many of you know that? That's from Romans tw uh, Revelation 12. He's the accuser. This devil of old, he is the accuser of the brethren. Do you know something about that? Do you know something about being torn down and ripped apart? Do you know about that in public, when somebody's done it to you in public? Do you know what it feels like? This tearing apart, this tearing down, this ripping apart. My dear friends, this is part of the world. It's part of the devil's work. It's part of this kingdom. It's part of the flesh. It's part of what we do so well. It is very difficult sometimes to go into marriages and see marriages where this is chronic in the marriage, where it just happens. It just happens. You're at a dinner with somebody, and they throw out a line about her. And it's, it's known. It's what they do. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's out loud. 
that she has been, she's been dishonored in front of everybody. But it's natural. It's normal. It's aggressive. It's, it's out, out in front. Other times, it's quite subtle, which is, I think, worse. I don't, I don't know. When it's done with a smile, and you just feel ripped apart. But it's been done so well. And you just feel so... And if it's, again, done in public, it's so hard. And, of course, there's also the passive tearing down. That you've done something and we withhold blessing. We withhold encouragement. We withhold grace. And we just don't, don't give it. And so we passively tear down. And, of course, there's always the unintentional where we do it and don't know it, or the ignorance and didn't mean it. The other day, I was, we were in a conversation with a bunch of colleagues, and it just came so naturally. I poked fun at one of my colleagues, and we laughed. I was funny. I, I was brilliant. I mean, no, I don't mean to be humble here. I mean, it was just a, it was a lovely line. I, boom, right? I thank God that a few hours later, he came to me and he said, that really hurt. That hurt. And he wanted to know if there was something between us. And it was just plain old fun. But I realized I didn't, I wasn't even aware. I was blinded by it. And I was so thankful he came up to me. I was so thankful that we could settle it right there. And that's what brothers and sisters do with each other. When you hide it inside, and I, I'm, I've had this as a pastor, when somebody's looking odd at me, and I say, what's going on? And they say, I'm not kidding. Well, six months ago, and you're thinking, my gosh, it's been on the stove for six months? I mean, it smells big! I mean, so we're dealing with something that happened six months ago. Yes, excellent, thank you, Lord. Let's learn to do it at the three-month interval. And, you know, shorten it even more. Because what happened, that, that guy gave me was a gift. It taught me in that moment how I used humor in a way that actually was a barb that wasn't intended. And he, he was able to, we were able to walk it through so he knew my love for him. And that there wasn't anything behind it. And there wasn't. Um, and, I, and, and I say that because, because it, 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 it's something that we're just naturally gifted at, this tearing down. And there's another form that I would just mention that sometimes what happens in families and what happens in, in when we're so familiar with people is when somebody among us is being torn down, and especially publicly, and we stay in our silence and don't defend and don't stand up and, and don't stop it. We actually, in our, in our silence, we actually tear down as well. What I'm talking about is known by the world. And so what the world does in response to what we're talking about is they literally hold symposiums at great money um, on motivational speaking, on encouragement in business places, on inspiration, on how to treat your employers or employees or how to actually have relationships in the corporate sense so that there's somebody coming in with with learning how to do conflict management and good communications and how to have a healthy marriage because they know, they know that the, that the natural, na the nature of us is to tear down. And of course, medically, that's the whole point, isn't it? The medicine wouldn't have a, a shingle out there to be able to have if there wasn't viruses coming into our bodies tearing us down. That's the whole point of why medicine does what medicine does because there's an enemy out against us. 
Well, the world has, has known this. And for great costs, they try to remedy our situation. I shall tell you this. There is no remedy for the situation. Save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, see, see the, the whole point behind the leopard is you can't change his spots. The Ethiopian can't change his skin. And neither can we change our ways. Go ahead and make a resolution uh, during the course of Lent that you're going to speak well of somebody. Excellent. I'm so sorry. We, we don't need you just speaking well about somebody. We need the nature changed. The nature's got to change. That's why the essence of the cross is to realize our sinful fallen nature. To be able to come to Jesus, to be born again in Christ, to receive that new life in Christ. Whereby we ask the forgiveness of our sins. Where we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. Where he comes to bring new life, resurrected power into us. And that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The encourager. He changes the conversation. He wants us to learn how to actually bless and not curse. How to love and, and, and not hate. How to actually learn how to build each other up. Rather than tear each other down. Especially, especially when we're so massively gifted. Because... In my self-centered world, I'm all for you until you're against me. And then I lash. See how it goes? But in the kingdom of God, it's just different. My wife taught me a basic principle. It was so simple. It was so easy. It was frightening. It was scary. But when you're about to lash out, when it's about to roll off your tongue, just stop. <laughs> Breathe, she says it. Breathe for a moment and say, Lord, is that going to bless this person or not? Put what you're about to say to the test. Put what you're about to say. Just wait one second. Is it going, is it going to actually bless and encourage? Come and roll it out of your mouth. Or do you need to pray to God in, 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 in what, it was about, what you're about to say or even the tone in which you're going to say it? And ask Jesus to come and help in that moment. I've always been appreciative of that. And only because... So often it's, it surprises us what comes out. Sometimes we learn when it comes out about us. And if we could just stop for a moment and, and reflect, am I actually building up? It is, it is an amazingly important gift to be able to be sensitive to know how we affect others that are around us. That our behavior, our actions, our attitudes of how we negatively affect people around us. And to ask the Holy Spirit, how is it that I can learn to be sensitive of my environment? How can I learn to actually build up rather than, rather than to tear down? Or how can I actually be taking initiative to somebody and just to give them a, a word of blessing and a word of grace? And that's what, that's what it means to be um, in the body of Christ. We start learning how to do this prophecy. Is it hard for you? Is it hard for us? Is it a normal practice? Do you know what it means to get a card in the mail? Or, or that somebody is actually writing and saying, or texting and saying, or calling and saying, the Lord put me, put you on my heart today. I want to just pray a word over you. I just want to tell you what the Lord's been speaking to me with. To be able to, in our prayer times, just to be able to pray for somebody else and ask the Lord the question, how might I bless you today? How might I encourage, Lord, what can I do to encourage today? What kind of word would you have to bless today? Can you imagine if our kids saw us acting this way, living this way? Can you imagine if the leaders of the church actually began to live it and practice it and know it? 
We're touching the heart of God because this is his name. He is the encourager. I've learned the principles that the Bible gives us. I'm very aware that our Lord taught us as he came to bring encouragement that he was not often received well. In fact, when he went to his hometown, he would teach the story. And this is the hard piece, is that a prophet is often not welcome. A prophet is not welcome in his hometown. There are people that you want to uplift that aren't going to receive. And I know that. And he even in Luke 4 actually specifies, you know, Elijah came and had to actually go out of town to do this. Elisha came and, oops, had to go out of town to do this because the people inside were so familiar that they couldn't hear. And I know that. I know there are people, especially in families, where there are just, it's too familiar. And when you come to bring grace and encouragement that you get um, the cat paw back and the the, the, the lashing out back. And our Lord experienced that. And our Lord taught us that prophets don't always have a great life. It's just true. Try this with me. No, no, no. Try this with me. So, the other day, there was a couple that we saw. And I knew that this couple, because of the environment in, that they were in, were not doing well. And so Barnum decides to go and bless them. Bless them. And one of them was responsive, and one of them was, I'm going to kill you. But I got to bless them that day, even though I know one's reaction wasn't exactly helpful. But I knew it's what we do. It's what breaks things down. We have got the opportunity to actually bring blessing to others and bring encouragement to others. That's what we get to do. So don't tell me it's going to be hard. When I say to you, I want you to prophesy over one another. Don't you look at me strange. This is what it means to be a Christian. You've been doing it a long time. I'm just focusing it on 1 Corinthians 14 language. I'll build, encourage, bring comfort. I start um, the books I do. I'll tell you some about that tomorrow, maybe, unless, unless you're bored. Um, but the, the book, the third devotional book, I start with a story that I had from just part of my pastoral life where... Um, this gentleman is 28 years old, and he's in a hospital bed, and he's dying of cancer. And he's got a wife who's a nurse and two beautiful children, this gorgeous face, this cocoa brown skin, this family that's just radically Christian and loves Jesus. And he's got um, already had his left arm um, taken because of the cancer, and, and now it's infiltrated into his lung. And the only way that he can actually breathe is by sitting up in bed, uh, hunched over with his feet out and just hunched over. And it's just really hard to breathe. And in the bed next is a gentleman that we're with who's at the end stages of cancer and at the end of his life, having lived a, a long life. And, and so we, we, we met Jared during that time. And, and, and Jared um, only had obviously one arm. And, 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 and we could tell in his in the conversations, just his love for Jesus. And, and, um, and so when it was almost time for our dear friend um, in the other bed, the older gentleman, who was just about ready to go home to be with Jesus, there was a, a curtain um, that was between Jared and this man. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and um, our friend's wife, Dot, um, was sitting by his bedside, still very awake, and just holding his hand, and, and his breathing was getting very shallow, and, 
And it was just coming to that moment, and she was just crying. And, and all of a sudden, in the, in the night, what she heard was the sound of the, of the curtain rings just being pulled back, just sound of the, the metal on metal just coming back as Jared was just pushing the curtain back. And with the one hand he had, he was able to reach over and just touch Dot's back as she lay on, just put her head on the bed, and he could reach over and just have his hand on her, and just, just gently as a son would just touch his, his mom, and, and said in the only words he could come at that moment, Jesus is all we have. And she, put, she just put her hand on his, and, and in that moment, in his dying, um, she, was, she was receiving the blessing of encouragement and upbuilding and consolation. And, and come the morning, uh, like our friend quite revived, and uh, would go home, and six weeks later would go to be with Jesus. See, but, but Jared would have one more night, and come the dawn of the next morning, um, his body was now on the bed, and his breathing stopped, and, and he was home with Jesus. In our living, in our dying, we get to encourage. We get to step into the work of the Holy Spirit and bless. Because it's who he is. And it's what he gives us to do. We're all called to be Jared and prophesy. Give encouragement and blessing and comfort and consolation. And have at just that moment, Jesus is all we have. Just the right words that would comfort her soul at a time like that. See, this one, this gift, is meant for all of us. And if leaders don't have it, the people won't have it. The children won't have it. It starts with us. Lord, teach me right now how to encourage the person next to me. No matter where I am tomorrow, to be able to say that prayer, Lord, Teach me how to incur. What words can I build this person up with? What might you give me just as a word of encouragement or consolation or upbuilding to that person? To begin to make this our prayer. Everywhere we go, every, every person we talk to, and then to move on those promptings when he gives us, somebody comes to mind to act on it and to bless. This is practical life. This is, this is moving in the step of the Holy Spirit who through us wants to bring resurrected life to somebody else. And we get to do it, you and me. What an honor, what a privilege, what a blessing. Yeah. You get to pray over the person next to you. And I'd like you to do that. I'd like you to turn to another. And if you haven't got a word yet, it's okay. But maybe just maybe the Lord will just give us a time to pray over each other right now. Words of blessing, words of encouragement, words of thanks, words of confession. Whatever the Spirit of God prompts us in this time of prayer, let it be so among us.